everybody. Welcome to this month's Female Film Critics panel. And we're really excited today. We've got another awesome panel for you. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner. And today I have Sari Cohen here. Hello, hello. And we have Destiny Jackson here. Hello, hello. Yes. I'm worried, darling. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, darling. I'm excited, darling. Yes. <laughs> Thank you both so much for coming on. And uh, since you're new to uh, this show, I'd like to give you both a chance to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you got started in film criticism, entertainment, uh, journalism. And why don't you start, Sari? Oh, gosh. Mine was such a really roundabout way. Um, I actually started as a comedy writer. Uh, I used to do stand-up comedy, um, wrote comedy, wrote for television for a little bit, and then um, found my way as a freelance writer, really fell into entertainment journalism. I always say it was like it found me instead of the other way around, but it was, um, yeah, started writing about fashion and then covered music and live entertainment for a while, um, eventually fell into to, uh, movies and television, which was a natural fit for me. And um, yeah, now I, I uh, write for a magazine and I'm a mm -hmm. correspondent producer on a TV show. And as you know, a, a critic. So yeah, that's uh, so cool. I didn't realize that. I'll definitely ask you more about that. But uh, what about you, Destiny, when you introduce yourself to us? Yeah, th that's amazing. I just realized, kind of just jump on that uh, really quick. Uh, Kathy Yan, the director, started off as a journalist and then like went to movies. So like for <laughs> you, it's so interesting. Like, you know, you you did the comedy, then you went to journalism. But it, as you just mentioned, you're still working on TV. OK, so that makes me happy because normally you don't see that. Mm -hmm. You don't see that switch. You see like the opposite. Yeah. Um. But for me, yeah, Um. mine is a little you know the shortest version of this would be I've uh, I've been writing on my you know school papers various school papers in middle school high school and then in college um that's kind of where I decided like oh, okay maybe I should actually stick to this journalism thing I actually really like it I originally I wanted to be a film and television history teacher um but then I was like no nah, like let me do something else more impractical so I decided <laughs> to stick with the journalism of it all and I interned at like Hollywood Reporter, The Wrap, PBS and now I'm kind of like I've been freelancing for the last like five years or so different companies um, all over the place and now I finally ended up at Deadline um, as an editorial assistant so that's been pretty interesting but I come from Netflix's to doom that's where I kind of made my my big uh, splash in journalism per se mm -hmm. in Disneyland but yeah and I'm I'm very I'm glad to talk to both of you because I really admire uh, how you've both been able to make the freelancing careers work because that's definitely my dream and my goal uh, to be able to <laughs> to be able to continue to uh, be published and and uh, to continue to work as a critic. I I've had you know success as uh, some success as a podcaster and I'm able to kind of make it work, but. I, I, I'm still working to get that. Uh, one of my goals for this year was to try to get, uh, to try to get at least one review published in a, in a thing. I haven't, I haven't, uh, succeeded yet. It's all my own, pretty much all my own content. I have been on, um, the, uh, local paper here, uh, at Deseret News and that was going so well. And then they changed the editors and this new editor has just not wanted to 
he has he just not wanted to accept any of my pitches for I stopped and I stopped kind of giving them because it just wasn't going anywhere. But but anyway, I really admire both of you that you're that you're doing it and you've made it work. And I think that's great. So uh, I'll definitely uh, have some uh, questions for for both of you. But um, but sorry, uh, what show did you you said you wrote for some shows? Did you do like spec scripts or what did what did you do? I did. So I wrote a pilot. Um, the, well, the first the first spec script that I wrote was for political satire. I originally thought that I was going to write about politics. And I'm thankful that <laughs> I'm thankful that the universe did not send me in that direction because mm-hmm. it's a whole different landscape uh, than it was uh, 10 years ago. So <laughs> um that was the first script I wrote, but but um, the one that eventually got picked up was um, sci-fi. It was a sci-fi uh, fantasy and it originally started as a, a screenplay. And then the producer that attached himself to it was like, we want you to rewrite this and we want to do it for television. So um, it only got so far into development. It never yeah. actually made it on the air. Um, but it was after that that I really kind of kind of took the leap mm-hmm. into really um, instead of boxing myself into this idea of being, well, I'm a writer, so I, I, I must work in a writer's room. I, I got rid of the idea of writer's room and just said, well, I'm a writer, so I'm just going to write. And that's what I did. I did. I just I wrote and I put my work out there and eventually um, I was hired by an outlet to write about fashion of all things which of course I knew nothing about but I was like I'm in (laughs) I'll figure it out along the way and I did it it led me here so so you were pitching like your own original ideas as opposed to like a spec script on a sitcom or something like that yes yeah yeah no I had a writing partner and um, we had written in a pilot and then they had asked us to write like the the story arc of like the first three seasons and it was basically as you know in that way you're you're writing for nothing you're writing in the hopes to mm-hmm. sell something at that point um so yeah it was once once people actually started to to pay me to write I kind of had to make that choice of you know what kind of writing am I going to do here and mm-hmm. like I said I just kind of I followed my gut all of my heart that's so, so. cool wow so are you sure they're not using your sci-fi script for rings of power or anything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like are you sure yeah you know, <laughs> real. i still think the whole thing was about it was about 2020 and it was a prophecy and i there's still a lot that i see out there every once in a while that i go okay. i'm such a sci-fi nerd at heart <laughs> everything sci-fi so i'm like there's parts of me that would love to revive that one day. It would have to be rewritten, obviously, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Rachel. No, <laughs> you're fine. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. So, so Destiny, on your Twitter, at least your handle, you have a bunch of different places that you write for on there. And I'm just yeah. curious how you are able to kind of make your pitches and get uh, published in so many different uh, outlets. 
Yeah, that's a great question because again, like tradition, I didn't, I, I didn't have a lot of resources growing mm-hmm. up, and no one taught me the journalism thing. And I honestly think journalism classes at college can be somewhat of a scam. Now, I didn't go to J school, but mm-hmm. I did go to, you know, I did major in, I went to a Cal State, and I did major in journalism. But they don't teach you about freelance. Right. You know, they don't teach you the tools of how to be su- successful, right? What is successful? Because some freelancers make, you know, like, I don't know, 20K a year or 30K or whatever. And it's like, that's not me, you know? But anyways, <laughs> um, so I really had to kind of just figure out like what kind of journalist did I want to be? Like the journalism is not stable and getting staffed is damn near impossible. So it was either give up on this thing that I've been doing literally since middle school essentially or just kind of figure out all right like I'm here what's the most aggressive way (laughs) to approach this and I kind of just took a page out of the white man's handbook I think I really had to I had to kind of just be like if so-and-so you know who writes at you know I don't know the New York Times or whatever it is you know can write a review then why can't I pitch this a similar idea to you know I can't obviously go to you know New York Times right out of the gate but damn I could talk to like EW or something like that you know or TV Guide TV Guide is one of the places that I Mm. write for so I think my I mean not that you asked for my advice but I think the way to answer this question is that the reason why I'm able to write at like, you know, TV guide, um, movie maker magazine or script magazine, or now the Academy that has their own publication online. Um, the Academy meaning, you know, like the people mm-hmm. who put on the Oscars and stuff like that. Yeah. I wondered about that. Because, yeah. That was. And honestly, I'll, I'll share, and I'll share, uh, that contact information with you uh, yeah, when we're done here. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but uh, the way that I was able to do this is literally just cold pitching. That's really what you have to do. And I know a lot of people are like, well, be wary of cold pitches. But I think you need to be used to cold pitching. Like, don't be afraid to pitch because either you hold on to that idea and like you're like, oh, you fret on it or you just throw it out to the ether. Of course, mm-hmm. you're going to get rejected every once in a while. I've pitched L.A. Times hella hella times and they never you know I'm like why won't LA Times take a pitch but I can take the academy will take Mm -hmm. my pitch you know what I mean it's just it's so wacky or for you you know Desiree and it's like I don't know if you've ever talked to you know Salt Lake Tribune or anything like that but anyway Mm -hmm. so uh I think just being kind of like aggressive in a sense where it's like I'm gonna cold pitch these people and not be afraid to do it but also kind of have like a personality I'm always kind of funny when I send a pitch, like, you know, I'll, I'll do a dumb little joke or something like that, or a little aside, like I did a Ted Lasso quote one time, you know, and so people will be like, oh, like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't take this pitch, but why don't you continue pitching me and, you know, instead mm-hmm. of just the flat no, so. Yeah, how do you that even sorry, get the, answer. do you get those just one contact kind of leads to another contact or, because uh, that's one thing I've struggled with is just even with Salt Lake Tribune, I, I've had a hard time finding uh, anybody to contact. I've had a hard time finding contact for them. Yeah. So in those cases where you can't, like, for example, Roger Ebert is another one that mm-hmm. uh, never accepted my pitches, but I couldn't even find like their email or yeah, anything yeah. like that. I had to do some serious sleuthing 
-hmm. And Twitter is a valuable tool for that. Some of the jobs that I have gotten for writing have come from, from Twitter. And that's me again, like connecting, like typing into the search bar, for example, Roger Ebert and seeing like kind of what pops up. And then I found two of the editors. One of the editors had their email in their bio by chance, but the other one didn't. Um, That was a very difficult find though. So that's kind of how I approach that in particular. And then when I emailed that one Roger Ebert person, they were like, actually, you need to talk to so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Um, Time Magazine was another one, almost nearly impossible. Um, and then I had emailed a person from there. It was the fashion person at, and I was pitching a movie thing. I was like, hey, I know you're the fashion person, but I have this pitch for uh, you know, a TV show. And they were like, oh, then you need to contact. But that's not always the case. Some people aren't nice like that. They just yeah. ignore your email. But I would say in your case, Twitter is a very good tool for like just finding out those kind of things that is so helpful yes very good yeah you kind of have to plug and play yeah 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 well sari so you write for hollywood first look and how did you get connected with them how did that all happen I, gosh, well, see, I started, I'm Desiree's it's it, uh, destiny. It's the same. It was so similar. Um, when I started, I was just kind of cold pitching and I had cold pitch to cracked first. And I had one story with cracked that went viral. Mm. Um, and then from cracked kind of went on to screen rant. Um, but it was really, I was writing for another outlet altogether. I was covering music and live entertainment. Uh, for access. And so I was on carpets doing that. And it was just really um, meeting people. It was yeah. just kind of, I became really good friends with, with um, my now producer. And uh, she was like, hey, you know, we kind of want somebody to write movie reviews. You know, how do you feel about that? And as a journalist being kind of like independent, it was, at first it was very hard for me to give my opinion. Um, I, I, was yeah. like, I always felt like I should just kind of give the facts and let everybody else make up their own mind about whether or not they wanted to enjoy something or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a hard lesson to learn, but I did, I started writing movie reviews for them. Um, and then eventually they brought me on camera. Eventually it became, you know, we, we need a host and you have this experience and why don't you step in and that led to also um, an associate producer position and then eventually producing. So yeah, that's pretty much my regular gig is just doing on air, um, mostly on air for them. I do run run the website as well. Um, and then I also write for In Love Magazine, which um, up until 2020 was in print, which was mm-hmm. pretty cool too. Yeah. So. Was, was that how you got your, your initial roles with Access, you're saying? uh was through you through your connections that you had well they were so strange they found me because I was writing for that fashion column I had that first job at that I had started that was just again I had applied to write for politics and I pitched them you know like you were saying destiny was like just throw out just cold pitch Yeah, yeah I pitched them on like three different they were looking for a lifestyle writer and a political writer and so I threw out a bunch of pitches and eventually they got back to me and they said, we'd like to put you in charge of LA fashion trends. And I just laughed. <laughs> like, really? 
okay, yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, so it was, it was because I really didn't know much about fashion or trends. I, I was able to make the column my own. It, mm-hmm. it became more about, um, in personality and, and, um, embracing who you are and expression and how you can express that through things that can be trendy that turned into doing interviews. And then I was eventually contacted by Axis random email one day that was like, Hey, would you like to come cover music and live entertainment for us? And I was like, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's a yes. That's yeah. a hard yes. Are you a fan of Rachel's reviews? Do you look forward to family movie night, female film critics panels, or the talking Disney podcast? If so, please consider supporting the podcast by becoming a patron. As a patron, you get to access monthly events such as the watch alongs and Q and A's where you get to talk to stars and find out the behind the scenes of the movie making industry. And you can pick what I review for family movie night, or even become a guest on the podcast podcasts and YouTube channels are expensive and I really, really could use your help. I would so appreciate it. You also get to be a member of the Facebook group where we talk about all the films that we're seeing and we have so much fun. Go to patreon.com slash hallmarkies and select one of the Rachel's fan tiers. That's patreon.com slash hallmarkies. It's kind of like, uh, uh, recently I did my first red carpet uh, at um, what's called Christmas Con because I cover Hallmark movies on my podcast, Hallmarkies mm-hmm. podcast. I love those. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I do. I eat them up. They're cheesy as hell, but yes. I, I do. Gum, num, 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 num. Yeah, we'll have to have you on for Hallmarkies podcast one of these days. That's um, so funny. Yeah, and so it was. It was wild because they were like, uh, "Do you want to cover the red carpet?" And I'm like, "Okay, sure." Uh, and uh, we get there and they have us in between our little, you know, a little podcast. I'm very proud of it, but like in the world of media, it's very small. Um, but they had us in between e-news and people magazine. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, what is this life I'm living? Like, this is so wild. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it was, uh, it was really surreal, <laughs> but uh, that kind of brings up another question I have for both of you. So you both like cover junkets and and do interviews and things like that but then you both write reviews so and that's something I do as well I do a lot of interviews and I also you know write reviews and it can be challenging to stay objective and not let the the interview impact your luckily I usually interview the people uh, before I've seen the movie so you know I don't so that would be awkward if I didn't like it but but um uh, but anyway I I think it can be hard to not let that personal interaction impact your objective critique of the, of the films. Um, and so I'm curious from both of you, how you manage that. What do, what do you think about that? Um, Destiny? Um, so very brief. Um, I have had the hard, I wonder if I should say who <laughs> there's a movie coming out <laughs> very soon and I have been talking about it for months with the publicist about interviewing the particular director and uh, not the director. Uh, he wrote this particular film that's coming out at the end of this month. And he made a big uh, accusation in Variety, um, anyone who's good at the clues coming out this month. Um, but I've been having a hard time with the PR time, uh, the PR stuff for for this particular comedian. Uh, making this movie at the end of the month and I have still 
yeah like I have contacted them and they are like yeah okay sure like you can talk to this person you can talk to this person and the movie comes out September 30th and yet no screening nothing and I'm having a really hard I'm like am I going to review this movie and this is like my first my first encounter with this particular thing and I'm like I I think I've decided I'm not gonna review the movie not out of spite but I think I'm just so upset with how the PR person handled my request to Mm -hmm. talk to this person and I'm wondering if the talent knows their PR person is like this and I'm like anyway Anyway, yeah. anyway, wait, wait, I don't think I would ever be this way. <laughs> and it's and that's okay. And that's yeah. okay. So sorry. No, <laughs> Go I, ahead. no, sometimes yeah. you do have to decide. I'm not going to uh review it. Recently, there uh one of uh, one of the co-hosts of Homework's podcast is she's an actress as well, and she was in one of these um, you know, movie of the week movies. And uh I I'm really close to her and I just didn't feel like I could, uh, even mm-hmm. though it's just our, it's not on Rotten Tomatoes or anything like that, but I just didn't feel like I could be objective. Uh, and, and so I had let other girls on the podcast cover it. Yeah. Um, cause yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I didn't want to say anything that would, uh, you know, I didn't want to say anything that wasn't true. And I did end up enjoying the film. Uh, but I also, I don't know. I just felt like it was just too close. <laughs> we were too good of friends. Yeah. So yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. And then also just when you have those negative experiences with with the behind the scenes of of a film, they, a lot of times you might get that in a festival where somebody's like rude or or something like that. And you try to like not have it impact your kind of feeling of the film because it's just not it's not fair but I I, I can understand what you're saying and I think it's pretty easy to do because there's definitely movies that I don't like and I still have to do interviews for them bodies Mm -hmm. bodies bodies I'm not scared to say was one of those films like Mm -hmm. I watched the movie and I was like oh I don't really like this but I had to talk to the director the next day yeah it's for me it's like easy to switch the two like because one is just about the technical aspects of the movie like I like the technical aspects of the movie I just didn't like how the the movie you know was put together like in terms of the script you know but uh yeah this particular PR interaction is girl okay (laughs) when if i'm asking if i'm asking the actress or actor uh what what was it like shooting that film like what was it like with those kinds of questions that might be a hint that i didn't there's a way you know you got it exactly there's a way but a lot of times i haven't seen it because that so that gives me kind of an out i'm just in here like it's gotta be tough i've only maybe done one or two interviews where i hadn't seen the movie beforehand i really yeah but yeah it it depends because sometimes you want to get deep down and and, you know really talk about the movie um but then i mean these when you're talking about hallmark movies there's like not like a ton of spoilers or things like that they're really like you know so uh, but uh but you know most of the time i i enjoy the hallmark movies and so it's usually fine and like so they usually am just you know finding out about them and their life and and uh, how they got started and this kind of thing so it, it works out uh i i haven't had very much pushback uh they there was a, a writer actually that i interviewed that i then after i i didn't care for the movie and she reached out to me and she was like oh you know it was hard for her but we it was fine um and uh so that's about as bad as i've gotten as far as like 
pushback on that level, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we usually try to keep it pretty light and fun. So, uh, we try not to be too mean in our critiques, but, um, uh, but, uh, what do you think about that? I know you do, Sarah, you do a lot of interviews. How do you kind of do that? And then when writing your reviews, I think it's where you put your focus. Like mm -hmm. it is a part of being a, a, a critic. And this was the one thing that my producer, when I first started writing reviews, she had said to me, she's like, your story is great, but you're missing your opinion. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, gosh, you're right. I guess. <laughs> so it really, you know, like, like when you're doing carpets, a lot of times you don't get to screen the movie ahead of time. Mm -hmm. uh, junkets more so you will get to screen the series or the movie. Um, for me, I, you know, I come at it as a, it, like as a fan, you know, like I think about what influenced me when I was younger, you know, the things that really made me want to be in entertainment, the movies that I saw, the way that it made me feel. Um, and I think the, there's kind of like an art to the interview, mm -hmm. um, where it is about connection mm -hmm. you know every story is your own to create and the conversations that you have with people are unique because of who you are and who they are and what what that brings out of them so mm -hmm. I th really think it is about where you put your focus like um, I've been in a situation where I've interviewed a cast lovely cast the nicest people you ever want to meet and they were so proud of this it was a television movie that they had done and the movie was horrible. <laughs> it was just it was yeah. painful and it never should have been made, but they were so lovely. And, and my focus was not, and again, that came back to me being like, is it my job to really say this is good or this is bad? Because that's up to the viewer. It's mm -hmm. still up to the viewer. I'm just still there to give them the facts. So yeah. what I'm going to talk about is who they are as artists, what mm -hmm. inspired them and what they went through making the movie yeah. and then let the reader then decide whether or not they want to watch the movie and then they can form their own opinion. And they still so, made something. You got to always respect that. Absolutely. That, that yes. as, a, as a critic, <laughs> that you should never lose that, that they made something we haven't, I mean, we make our reviews uh, and I make content for, you know, podcasts and things like that, but, but, uh, but I haven't made any uh, films or, or, or television and uh, they did. So even if you didn't like it, there's something to respect there, I think. And that's yeah. always good to remember. Yeah. 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 And in some respect, everyone is a critic. I mean, there are things that I, I've written before <laughs> that people are either going to love or hate. Yeah. yeah. And everybody well, has an opinion. I also think the whole idea of a completely objective review is a bit of a fallacy, it's a bit of a myth mm -hmm. uh, because we are who we are. You know, all, all the different things that make us who we are make our reviews interesting are make us in a way subjective like we we like i come from a religious background that's going to impact my reviews especially if i see something that's faith-based or you know things like that that's going to be a part of how i look at it and uh, and hopefully you develop enough of a following in your reviews that people are like okay that's that's a either a trigger point or a a positive thing that rachel always likes and, uh, um, and so I think that's kind of important to remember as well. And, and sometimes I'll just 
be upfront with my biases in the beginning of my review in, or in my review. And I'll just say, you know, I, I love this, you know, this particular actor. I, I love this, um, this theme in movies. This is something that I am just inherently uh, going, going to like a lot of the time and, uh, and then explain why either it didn't or, or, or did work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that's also kind of important to just, uh, lay it out there sometimes <laughs> Yeah, in the review. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I also had a wooden son, um, named Pinocchio. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I also am a woodworker. Um, anyways. Yeah. I mean, if you just connect, yeah, oh man, yeah. that movie, I, I know it was so bad. I, know. I hated I know. it so much. And I'm not even like a diehard Pinocchio person. Like I, I enjoy it. It's stunning animation. It's a, it's a masterpiece, but it's just as far as like my personal love, I don't love it. Um, and so I thought, okay, I might like this. <laughs> no, <laughs> I hated it. So I just sat there. Rough. Rough. It was rough. I think it's one of the worst movies Disney's ever made. Ooh, wow. It's, I do. A, it's a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> they made a movie. It's a, what does Harry Styles <laughs> say? It's it's a real movie. It's, that feels like a movie. What is it's it? Really, <laughs> it feels it's like a movie. A real something. go to the theater film movie. Yeah. Theaters. It's a movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that's that's it. That's what Harry Styles was talking about. <laughs> but well, yeah. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. Please. No, I, I was just gonna I say, how did you time. both kind of get through the pandemic? Uh, it was such a hard time as is a freelancer uh how did that all kind of work for for both of you what do you think destiny um it worked for me fine because i worked at disneyland and it closed uh famously closed mm-hmm. for uh, a period of two years nearly like a year and a half because downtown disney opened yeah, back 15 up. months so i was actually able yeah um i was actually able to freelance like fully during the closure um, Cause I was like, wow, I don't have to clock in. You know what I mean? So I was like able to actually sit down, watch a film, create ideas and then freelance. So that's kind of how I handled the pandemic. It was a blessing in disguise that way. Cause I was then able, if I probably didn't have that period, I probably wouldn't even be like here, like freelancing as much mm-hmm. as I had. So that's kind of how I dealt with it. I, I, I worked more. <laughs> Well, and it was nice because there were opportunities virtually that we hadn't had before, like the fact I was able to go to TIFF virtually, the fact I was, oh, you know, things like oh, that. Oh, yes. Yeah. First time going really to South good. by Southwest. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's when yep. the film. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you brought that. That It's so crazy because time is just not a real. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the first time I was able to like do Sundance because they were they put it online and then South by Southwest and they all those people made it um, accessible. But now we're seeing the reverse of that. Yeah. Um, a little bit now. And I'm kind of like I, as much as I like to go in person and, and see people, you get the you know, you get body energy. Um, but for people who can't, like you live in Utah, you know, and I can't imagine how many people come through there. I know, you know, under the banner of heaven, you know, Andrew Garfield and them was down there. Yeah, but... that's true. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, that's so, true. What about but... you, Sari? How was that for you? Well, the first three months, I think it was, I didn't know the entertainment industry didn't know what to do. I mean, I was so used to pulling these 16 hour days. I live, I live by Disneyland and commute up to LA. Yeah. <laughs> I was just there. My yeah, neighbors. Yeah. We had, 
I feel like the whole world, it was just like, if I'm not running to LA every day on a carpet, what am I, what am I doing with my life? Um, but I think there was a big, I mean, really on a, on a whole other level of just the world was changing. The, the landscape was changing. Um, I mean, just things on every level were becoming so polarized. Um, but I think it, it took like a solid three months for the entertainment world to figure out that they could do this virtually. I think it was like, finally, it was like, oh, okay, we can, we can still do this. It's just going to look a little different and sound a little different. And to me, I really felt like 2020, especially what I, what I, as an entertainment journalist, what I actually enjoyed most, it was the year of the documentary. Mm -hmm. It was the year of the indie film. So all these films that would never gotten a spotlight before all of a sudden you know streaming everybody was mm-hmm. watching you know the latest indie movie on prime video mm-hmm. and it was getting covered by national and international press so that part was really cool um and then yeah. of course you know they're getting back into it was a little you know december we kind of started to get back into it in person and then that fell off and then march again and most um most in-person events they are most um studios are really good about COVID mm-hmm. precautions yeah, so you yeah. do feel mm-hmm. safer but I am glad that we have this hybrid life now where we are able to do things like this you know mm-hmm. where yeah this has become more of more of a routine and and something that I think is very special that I'm glad we can still continue as as we move mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I started this series during the pandemic, uh, and it's something that I'd thought about doing for a long time, but, uh, you know, I finally had the time. Uh, there was a lot of things like that, actually there. I watched a lot more television because of the mm-hmm. pandemic, uh, cause I'm normally a movie person or TV movie person or a mm. movie person. And I watched a lot of series, uh, that especially 2020, you know, started Bridgerton. I did, um, uh, I, I don't know. There was just a long list of different shows that I watched and I, Ted Lasso and things like that. And I, that has been really fun. I haven't been able to keep it as much as I would like, but we're just finishing on, um, Hallmarkies podcast. We started in August of 2020. We started covering the show Heartland, which is on, um, CBC, uh and that's also on netflix canadian horse show yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) there's horses on it yeah okay okay i'm there i'm there with you my friend uh my friend from scotland actually her name is michelle uh we started in august of 2020 covering heartland because it's so intimidating because the show has they're about to start their 16th season in october Mm -hmm. and so that's very intimidating to you know try to take that on but uh but we did and we are literally we recorded our 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 last recap of of season 15 this last uh uh, this last sunday we finished (laughs) but we would have never started that in the first place if it hadn't been for the pandemic Mm -hmm. but uh we're finally done Wow. So proud. So, so proud. Yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> On behalf of Justin Trudeau, I'm sure he's very excited. I'm sure he's ecstatic. Yeah, so. we joke when 
when uh, any of the actors say things like sorry and <laughs> like your canadian is showing <laughs> oh my gosh yeah it's wild it's like are you canadian or are you from wisconsin are you from minnesota yeah. like sorry. what is happening yeah man it's wild it's wild yeah. hearing canadians out in the wild because yeah. it's like you sound normal until just now <laughs> just now you were very straight like okay yeah but anyway yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask both of you, why do you think diversity in film criticism criticism matters? Because some people will say, oh, well, a review is a review. Why does it matter? In it? But uh, what what do you think, uh, Sari, about that? Oh, it hugely matters. That's, that's why I'm so proud of the HCA, because mm-hmm. it they really, Scott has made it such a thing to have diversity, yeah. which a lot of critics organizations don't necessarily have um but yeah I mean like you were saying everybody comes from different backgrounds we all have different experiences growing up and and it is um relayed in how we how we view things and how we see things and those opinions matter voices need to be heard different voices need to be heard Mm -hmm. different people need to be seen so yeah, it's it's crucial. It is absolutely crucial to the, I think, I mean, even broader than entertainment, but just, I think, to the world as a whole and what we have to offer. Yeah. What do you think about that, Destiny? Yeah, um, and I I also agree, you know, with, the, with your HCA uh, uh, kudos there, because, yeah, it is a super diverse organization. Scott, ushered me into you know this this organization and I love that you know that exposure but also that not only are is the board diverse but the pick of the awards um nominees are diverse in terms of like things that normally don't get the spotlight get nominated is is what I mean um so it's not always like you Mm -hmm. know Ted Lasso versus I don't know what's that what's succession right but anyways well it was um, so nice to have it be and have network and cable one night and uh and streaming one night because you got to I don't just award different people that don't normally get yeah uh, praised that was fun the Emmys needs to do something about that too. Mm-hmm. Tiny, tiny, tiny aside, I think they need to have like a different category for streamers and broadcast because to put our and network network and streamer streamers plus broadcast because because network isn't allowed to tell the same jokes like Abbott Elementary being in the same category as Ted Lasso is kind of nonsensical to me right because objectively Ted Lasso is the funnier show because it's able to get away with like saucier jokes yeah. Abbott Elementary you know they can't they can't really do that it's still funny but anyway so I'm just, that's that, true that's, that's a, good a point. look if you do an Emmy's episode let me know <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to do an Oscar episode, let me know. But okay. anyway, back to the diversity. Um, yeah, it's just it's just so important to have diversity in a, in a review because I think like um, for example, uh, if you have like a something that's about disabled people and you you know I I'm not a, like I'm not disabled in like the tradition. I mean, there's no traditional sense, but you know what I mean. Like I don't belong to the to the to the disabled community so mm-hmm. having somebody who is disabled write a review or be present for that review or whatever that show or tv movie or whatever it is is important because you get that different perspective and i love reading those types yeah. of perspectives and andor right now you know is a latino uh man uh, at the lead of the series and so i'm like oh let me see what the latin critics are saying yeah. about you know xyz right but yeah so i think you know diversity is always important 
Well, I think especially when Hollywood is trying to either make content for that demographic or they are representing that demographic in some way. Uh, like if Hollywood, that's why I think it's so important what we're doing with Hallmarkies podcast, because if we, because we don't only review Hallmark, we review pretty much all the rom-coms that come out. Mm-hmm. And it's important to me to have female voices saying, this one's good. This one's bad. This one needs work. Try again. You know, kind of a thing. I don't um, know because... one female critic that has liked blonde. I don't, and I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's a whole yeah. conversation for another day. But yes, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. If they're going to make content that's primarily for women, we need to have women saying what, how they're doing. And because otherwise, the only thing that will monitor Hollywood is the box office. And that's not a very good monitor. So I think no. people that are like, oh, we don't need critics anymore, whatever. I think they don't really understand what it would be like if there wasn't another voice saying, no, this yeah. is not good enough. It's so interesting to me because like before I got into it and please speak to your guys' experience, but like I I don't understand necessarily all the critics like critics are dumb or critics are irrelevant yeah. or whatever like of course there's going to be critics we all know critics who are like are you a little bougie you know what i mean like you're going mm-hmm. a little you going a little too much you know what i mean like so those people aside i'm not talking about those people because they're, they're going to exist and they have their own place in the world but for me like when i was growing up like i read criticism but for me it all it determined was is this movie good or not and am I going to see it right away or am I going to wait a week or so to see it? Like, I'm still going to see it. There's no critic in the world that that if even if they don't like the movie, am I not going to see it? Because I do believe people should have their own opinion, which is kind of what we, we've all been saying this whole time during the during the chat is that. So what? We didn't like Pinocchio. I wouldn't say you shouldn't see it, but you shouldn't. But mm-hmm. please, Especially don't, please when don't we have such it. a deluge yeah. of content. I mean, nobody right. nobody can see everything. Nobody can review everything. It's not like back in the day when yeah. you had five channels. And so somebody right. could theoretically watch everything that's being aired. That yeah. So you need some guidance. You need somebody yeah. to say, okay maybe check this out. And I mean, that's one of my favorite parts about being a critic is to be able to, is to be able to direct people to sort of the hidden gems or the, uh, like Marcel, the shell, for instance, this year that I loved so much. Oh <laughs> I love being able to tell them, oh, man, it's so good. <laughs> I'm like, I'm texting the director, you know, cause I had to interview him. And yeah. I'm like, you guys better be in the damn nominations for the Oscars this year. Okay, you hear me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, what do you think about that, Sari? Oh my gosh, which part? I <laughs> I don't know. Just about, yeah, about, about making, critiquing content, particularly for demographics like we were talking about. Well, and- no, and I think, you know, kind of to your point, Rachel, we were, what you were saying before too, people... The uh, one thing that I really do love about having a voice as a writer is that people connect to your writing. Mm-hmm. People connect to your voice. They can hear you in what you have to say. And so you become kind of like a a trusted advisor. You know, they'll go to read your critiques to make those decisions on whether or not, like you were saying, should we wait a week? Should we go see it now? Should we? And I, I appreciate that. You know, that's one thing that I can really say is that 
I will always be honest a hundred percent. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a look on the bright side kind of person. Um, but I will always be honest. And if there is anybody out there reading, um, what I'm writing, who agrees with me or, or reads it to disagree mm-hmm. with me, at least I'm there to give them some direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause if you're not honest, like, why are we wasting right? time? Like, what is the point? If, yeah. if you're just going to be kind of saying what is popular, then, yeah. I mean, you shouldn't be like actively trying to be contrarian either, but, uh, but still, <laughs> yeah. we'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies merch store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable hardy or Hallmarkie in your life? What about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies merch store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Hallmark Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. Well, I like to always ask what is uh, an unpopular opinion that you've had uh, and uh, how did that kind of, what was that experience like? Because the whole reason I started this podcast was because I didn't, I famously didn't like Shazam and I got super pushback on it <laughs> just put it mildly uh oh. it was not pleasant and uh it was very i mean i thought i've been i've been producing my own content for over a decade i thought this will i can handle anything no i couldn't it was very very overwhelming and uh, uh and so um that's why i wanted to communicate with other female critics and hear their experiences and what what they uh how they responded to this experience, you know, just that the hate, especially with superhero movies, uh, people are so, so intense about it. Um, I don't, Destiny, what do you think about that? What's an unpopular um, opinion you have? Um, that's, I've, I thought about this question and honestly, I've been spared whatever Twitter gods are blessing me <laughs> from like getting, I mean, uh, like I got one pushback and this is so stupid. Like this was not, this is not even film related. This is how dumb, like this is how bad, like good I am navigating uh, online is that uh, I was like, oh, do you cut your pancakes first and then pour syrup or do you pour the syrup and then cut your pancakes? <laughs> Which is so stupid, such innocuous, right? I'm uh-huh. a believer in cutting first and then doing the syrup and people are like, you lose the heat. Like I had so <laughs> many people on my case about this particular decision. I was like, what the hell is going on? You know, so anyway, that is not a very serious thing. Um, Maybe I'll post, I did like Harry Styles acting in Don't Worry, Darling. But again, I didn't get much pushback from there, but I have been seeing the opposite reactions. I, I'm i good. I'm going to skip mm-hmm. this one because I, I've gotten like some race ones a little bit, but it's uh-huh. never me really originating it. It's like um Richard Newby of Hollywood Reporter oh, fame. Mm-hmm. He, um, he's been championing, championing Disa on the rings of power or whatever right and so i was like yeah like i don't get why people can't understand you know like there's black there can be black people in fantasy shows mm-hmm. and so you know you always get that one person that's like oh but but they're supposed <laughs> to be blonde and token didn't know black people or whatever uh-huh. it's like 
he might not have, but yeah, <laughs> who cares? You know, I do have anyway, to say, so. I have gotten better at handling all this because I, I went rotten on the Batman and I was terrified. I'm like, <sighs> Uh, but I posted my review and I turned off the comments. And then when I posted it on Twitter, I had only friends could reply. Okay. And I, I managed to, to, and I also waited like a week after the deluge of reviews. So mine wouldn't like stick out as much. Um, and so good. I managed, I managed to survive a, a negative Batman review, which is very, uh, which is very intimidating you will not uh, survive so. here because i like the batman i want you to hear <laughs> me i actually did like it had too many endings they couldn't figure out where to end yeah. it but i did enjoy the batman I, robert pattinson said five things the whole time i was living <laughs> i was living i loved it yeah 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 um, <laughs> yes <yeah>, sir <laughs> what about you sari what's an unpopular opinion that you've had uh, Goodness. Well, I will tell you, it, it came with the outlets that I wrote for. So I wrote when I was writing for Cracked and when, when I was writing for Screen Rant, the people that read <laughs> the site yeah. are very, very invested. So um, the, the briefly, one of the, when I, I used to write a lot about supernatural, go figure the sci-fi thing. Oh boy. The pushback, any opinion that I had, I wrote one article on like the 15 reasons why supernatural should end. I didn't think it should end. I didn't even agree with that, but you know, if you want yeah. some yeah. reasons why, Oh yeah. my gosh, the barrage of comments. <laughs> yeah, people take those like, listicles so seriously. I, I thought I was gonna get death threats. The the work but the worst than this, there's been a few. This is another one that I wrote for Screen Ramp that I thought was actually very funny. I wrote it as satire and it became a, a tomato, <laughs> a rotten tomato uh approved oh no thing. It was, it was with a critique of I Dream of Genie, but it was really a satirical piece that I was uh -huh. writing about. Yeah. Um, it was about, about an abusive relationship and it was really a bad case of Stockholm Syndrome and the Rotten Tomatoes posted it as a bad movie. And I was like, why did you turn on me? <laughs> I really love I Dream of Genie. Um, so but funny. The, the funny, not the funniest, I would say because my generation, I'm I'm an Xennial, right? So I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm borderline Gen X and millennial. And there was a piece that I wrote for Cracked back in like 2016 that went crazy viral. And it was basically about movies that I watched growing up that if you look at now, they're really bad. Like, mm -hmm. the, you know, if you go back and you watch Bad News Bears, you're gonna be surprised. I mean, there's, you're gonna look at it <laughs> completely different lens, and you're gonna go, "How was this ever acceptable? And why was Walter like Matthau the original a hero? Like, he, this is not. None of this is okay. None of it." So I wrote a, again. It was a listicle, and I wrote a piece about things and the hate that I got from pe people that didn't know who I was. Yeah. It, it, they had no idea. There was just the the messages uh, calling me um you know like a gen z snowflake and you'll have to learn to and i'm thinking first of all you have no idea how old i am i love all these <laughs> movies personally i'm just kind of stating the obvious here that like yeah back you put you know 
time does some funny things. Yeah, <laughs> really yeah. things That's like, I, I didn't end up writing anything on it, but I watched, um, uh, I was thinking of doing a ranking of the bring it on movies and those, mm. and that one doesn't hold up very well. There's a lot of awkward stuff. Yeah. They, oh, they use, the thing. yeah. I went to the college uh, in Bring It On. So like the Toros, right? I went to Cal State Dominguez Hills, which is uh, our mascot is the Toros. It's that same school. And so uh, anyway, like just, I hadn't mm-hmm. even rewatched it. I was like, in the four years I've been here, I have not rewatched that. <laughs> but now I'm, now I'm interested. I, I've recently rewatched The Mindy Project because it turns 10 this month. And um, that show has a lot of saucy jokes, you know? So it's kind of like, cause I watched it when it was on uh-huh. at the time until it finished. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, I, I bring it on. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of, a lot of words we wouldn't use now. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, but uh, well, let's talk about something that you've made, whether it's something you've written or whatever put together that you're proud of that you think was, was really well written or really well done. Um, Destiny, what do you think? Um, one piece was I found the black writer on the show Lucifer on Netflix. Um, and I interviewed him about a particular Black Lives Matter tinged episode that Lucifer had in its fourth season, like a little bit of that. And then it, it got bigger in season six, the last season. So that was really fun to sit down and track down this writer and, and talk to him about like being, he wasn't the only black writer on the show, but he was like one of three. Um, and so that was like really cool to kind of talk to him about his experience. I did that over at Backstage Magazine. Um, and then my second would be the interview I did with Taylor John Smith, uh, who is the lead actor in Where the Crawdads Sing. That that is that what I did have to fight for my life because I did like that movie. Um, and it is very controversial and everything with the author. And I was like, I ain't got nothing to do with that lady. I like the movie. Yeah, and that's too. where I stick. Uh, to that so I know the girlies were eating me up on Twitter for that one <laughs> but that's a, that's pretty much it I did that for mm-hmm. the academy though I uh I'm sorry I interviewed the screenwriter for the academy which I really liked and then John Taylor Smith uh Taylor John Smith I did for um the black cape that was really nice they were two really great individuals that's sorry. cool that's great uh what about you Sari what's something you've done that you're proud of you know, I, th- I think it's so, it's so weird because TV is so different than writing, you know, mm-hmm. so there's certain interviews that I've done for television, like I've, I've gotten to interview Ringo Starr and that to me, I'm always like, mm. yeah, right. Yeah. When you, <laughs> you know, no, that's history. That's, that's huge. History. Yeah. That to me, you know, um, and I've had really amazing conversations with people, but I think a lot of it really just comes from my own personal, like, um, connections that I made with, with people, a lot of, a lot of it came from writing with Axis. So like, I, I had a great, um, conversation with Ronnie Spector years ago, um, that I just, to, to hear about her growing up and, and, and her life. And, and of course, you know, me being familiar with her from the eighties, but, but her being, reintroduced from generation to generation and and having a deep conversation with her Pam Greer was another one that I got to you know we sat in a hotel for 45 minutes and just talked about her life and I was really I think what makes me proud is when I write a story that you know it's to me I feel like a, a kind of like a conduit you know like if somebody's entrusting me with their their life, their story, and I put it into my words and that kind of 
gets out there and it's something that resonates with them. Um, that makes me proud. So yeah, there's there's been a few of them. Lou Diamond Phillips was another one. LL Cool J was another mm-hmm. one. I mean, there's there's a there's been a lot out there that um I've gotten personal thank yous for for just telling telling a, a story that um they were proud of as well. So that makes me feel like, gosh, mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, they've influenced me and now I'm I'm able to put that out there and mm-hmm. that article can reach someone else, you know, who could be inspired by it and, and connect that, like, that's a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is really special when you can do that. Uh, last year, there was a little indie uh, Christmas movie called See You Next Christmas. Uh, then I get so many emails. Of course, we all do uh, emails. Check out my indie film, whatever. And most of them are terrible, and most of them I, you know, you don't have time to watch. Yeah. But um, because this was about Christmas, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot because I try to cover all the Christmas movies. And I watched it, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, so I, we covered it, we talked about it uh, on the podcast, and then we, uh, I interviewed. The, I liked it so much that I interviewed the director and writer, Christine Weatherup. And uh, and then uh, this April, we did another episode on it. And then we had her on as our guest for our patron uh, event that we do, patron watch along that we do. Uh, mm-hmm. And she just talked about how much it meant to her uh, that our support and that we were you know promoting the film to other Christmas movie junkies like ourselves and uh, it does feel good when you can especially if it's something that you know that you really like and that you you know you want to you want to promote it and you um uh, they when you have those those interactions with people or uh it's like that's like the the dream when you have that kind of symbiotic relationship between critic critic and uh creator uh when it works out <laughs> it's great uh mm-hmm. so that that's that is one that i'm definitely proud of that uh i'm also very proud uh, as, uh, like I said, we started covering more television for Hallmarkies podcast and we, and I'm very proud of the Heartland coverage and that we finished. Uh, but also, uh, when, and just like that was coming on, I, I was, tr- I had been trying to think of ways to grow our audience as, as a podcast. And I, I, I kind of thought, could we cover? And just like that is it just, cause I mean, obviously Hallmark is typically very conservative very you know g-rated and uh, this would be not that and um and so i but i reached out to my friend uh Jax, and uh she was up for it and it was hard because every because it was this started in december uh which is obviously really intense for me um and but we did it and then that then we we were almost finished covering sex in the city uh, cause we covered in just like that. And then we covered it, it, it and I was, it was such a risk, but I was so happy that it did well and that our audience responded to it. And, and I, like I said, we're almost finished with, with that show. And then we're going to keep, we're going to cover the movies. We're going to cover Carrie diaries and things like that, just cause Jax and I have so much fun doing it. And, and cause it seems to be doing well. So I'm very proud of that, that I took a chance, took a risk covering content that uh, it could have backfired big and I'm just grateful that it didn't. And uh, that, uh, so that that's definitely one from recently that, uh, that I, I thought of. So, 
Yeah. It's this question is kind of funny for me because I know some creatives and not that I even consider myself a creative, but are so hard in their own work, you know, but for me, I just, I love every, cause I have such great experiences with people like you or other, you know, the co-hosts or the guests I'm interviewing that I'm very, very biased. I was like, it was so fun. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I am not objective when it comes to my own work. I admit it outright. <laughs> That's good. I, I let me get some of that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let me get some of that. Let me get some of that, yes. Lord. Oh my gosh. That's well, so funny. Well, thank you to both of you. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed getting to know both of you. We'll definitely have to keep in touch. And uh mm-hmm. thanks for coming on and talking about your sharing your experience. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. This was so fun. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank yeah. you for having us. This yeah. Great. So Destiny, how can people follow you, your content, everything? Wow. Yeah. I am on Twitter. Most, I have a website at destinydelights.com. Um, but I'm primarily, I haunt Twitter. I need everyone to understand. I do haunt Twitter and I'm at destiny dreadful as in penny dreadful. Um, uh, did I do that? Yeah, on Twitter at Destiny <laughs> on, on Twitter. A lot of people was like, "Why dreadful?" And I was like, "Well, I tweet too much, but also I love Penny Dreadful. That's where that name came from, and I love alliteration." So yeah. there you go. Very good. Very good one. What about you, Sari? Uh, I, I may all of my handles are different. I make it very difficult for people. <laughs> Okay. Well, just I don't conform. The- <laughs> uh, mo- mostly, I am on Instagram at the Savvy Scribbler. T H E S A V V Y S C R I B B L E R. And then, of course, uh, on Twitter, ask underscore Sari. Great. So. Well, we'll have you can give all the handles. We'll put it all in the description so you can send them <laughs> to me. So that'll be great. Uh, and you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that out. Also, make sure you're following the Hallmarkies podcast. Got lots of fun stuff going on over there. And uh, if you are listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. That really helps us out a lot. And if you are watching on YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. We appreciate that so much. We also have the patron group, which we talked about a little bit, and also the merch store where you can get the Female Film Critics panel. Uh, merch so check that out and uh, thanks so much ladies this was so much fun we'll talk to y'all later bye everyone